So, so if you're new with us, I, I, I walk up every week to an 80s song, <laughs> and, and who would think that a pastor would start with a band named Slaughter, huh? <laughs> so how funny is that? want to take this time, hey, welcome you guys, thank you for coming in, sharing the, the morning with us, I know, I know sometimes Sunday mornings you're just like, I wish I could sleep in, but no, I gotta go see Pastor Bob, oh darn it, you know what I mean, you say it like that, and welcome to all those who are watching or listening online, so glad you're taking the time to, to be with us. So, um, just a precursor to this seven series, as she said, yes, it feels like sometimes we're meddling, and um, I, I don't know if you were here when we first began the series, but I mentioned that I, God had been telling me to do this series for some time, and I kept putting it off because, um, because of that, because people sometimes feel offended by some things that is sin in their life, and they blame it on me and what I say, and they get offended at me or they get offended at the church. Um, but in reality, what it is, is it's conviction. It's the Holy Spirit convicting you, saying, hey, you know what, that is in my life, and I need to get rid of that. So I just want to say, don't get mad at me, all right? Don't get mad at me and write me a nasty email or send me a bad text saying I'm leaving the church because you were talking to me. Well, maybe I was, <laughs> you know, so, so I just want to say that before we get going, um, and I want to just remind people of that, and, and actually next week, uh, uh, Pastor Annette's going to be speaking the message, uh, because she can offend somebody too, so I don't have to do it, <laughs> how does that sound, um, so okay, so a lot of you know that, um, um, some do, some don't, so I'll explain. In the past, Annette and I, were, uh, we were foster parents for, for a, a short time in our lives, but it was for a program called Rawhide Boys Ranch, and it was based out of New London, Wisconsin, and actually started by Bart Starr, okay? Um, if you don't know who he is. Really? Okay, so anyway, so he, he started this thing, and, and what we were was, it was called a catch home, and it was an acronym for something that I don't even remember what it actually stood for, but the boys that were at this ranch were, um, had, were in a program, I guess you could say, that landed them at this ranch, and um, they had to, part of their, part of their um, sentencing, they were all juvenile delinquents. So they were sentenced by the state, but had agreed to this. And <clears throat> part of their, some of their, their program, or their program, their transition point, was uh, having to m live with um, someone that would be, or a family it was, that would be considered normal. And I know what you're thinking. I live with you? Normal? Yeah, not so much. But in reality, we were, because we were a family of four, father, mother, husband, wife, kids, couple dogs. You know what I'm saying? They didn't ever experience that. They, did, they didn't know that. And um, so, so these guys were at, at the ranch, and they had to serve their time, and, the, and as they were required to serve a family, and of course, that's where we came in. And for a while, we had this uh, young man, I think he was 16, 15, 16 years old. His name was Ken. Now, Ken, um, uh, he came from Milwaukee, 
all right? And the way that he grew up was he knew nothing more than, than street life. That's, that's all he knew was, was street life. He had no guidance whatsoever, so all he learned to do was to sell drugs. That's all he ever did was just sell drugs. Even at 15, that was his thing. And most of these boys that, that were in the ranch, including Ken, were never taught to actually work, much less work hard, work a real job. They were, never, they were never taught that. They only did what they did, and for most of them, it was um, um, selling drugs or, or robbing people. That's, that's all they knew how to do. And, um, but, but for me, for me, that doesn't fit in my little tiny pea brain mind. Okay, I had a hard time grasping that, you know, because I'm I'm a guy. It's like, like man, you gotta you gotta get out there. You gotta do something. You gotta work. Get off your bed. There's other things that have to be done. Come on, but Ken, Ken, this I mean, there there were people that don't know how to work, and then there's Ken. All right, do you know what I'm saying? He literally, um, he, he literally had no idea what it was meant to work. At all. I mean, do like anything, a, a dish, move his tennis shoe, nothing. I mean, nothing is nothing. It was just unbelievable. But he especially didn't know how to actually do anything with his hands. He couldn't, he didn't, he never had held a hammer. He had never, 15, okay? He had never done any of this. But I gotta, I gotta give him kudos on one thing. He did know how to iron his clothes, and he would spend this enormous amount of time ironing like these perfect creases in his t-shirts. It was just, it was just crazy. He did that, but, but nothing else. And I struggled with him every day because he, he just did nothing. And if he did get him, finally convince him to try to do something, he only gave about 25% of what you knew he had. He just did just enough to get by. So uh, during, during his stay with us, we were, uh, we were building a building. Um, I was site manager at, at, a, at a Bible camp. And we were building a building at Spencer Lake. And uh, we had this truckload of cinder block come in. All right? 40 pounds a block. So we had this whole truckload, and the forklift took them off. But they had to be brought down a hill. So if we couldn't take them by forklift. They had to be brought down there block by block. And I thought, I got this one handled. I got Ken, you know. So, so I'm thinking, Ken's certainly going to help me. So this was no lie. The, you can't even make stuff up. He took two blocks down, one in each hand. And then I'm like, where's Ken? Has anybody seen Ken? He should be hauling blocks. So we had all the maintenance crew and everybody hauling these blocks down there, myself included. Ken is hiding behind the backhoe. He's hiding behind the backhoe, and he doesn't want to do anything, and he's complaining that it was too much. And, and I'm just thinking, I can't even believe that, that you're, you're doing this right now. But I kept, I, I mean, I, I'll be honest with you because I always am, I was lit up. I, I remember last week, Wrath, I could have talked about this story because I was 
angry, man. I was so mad at him for this, and I just kept pushing him. And the more he complained, the more I pushed him. And the more I pushed him, the more he complained. And the more he complained, the more I pushed him. I was just pressing his buttons, and he was pressing mine. And it was a rough day. So the next morning, I woke him up extra early because it was a Saturday. I woke him up extra, extra early, and I said, man, you're coming running with me. And, uh, and this, is, this is before daylight, so that's how early it was in summer, all right? It was early for me, but I was trying to make a point. So, so I get him up, and, and he's, he's like not, he didn't say a word. He didn't say a word when I got him up. He didn't say a word when we started running. He didn't say anything, and he, but he barely moved faster than a slow jog. And he was just like, totally slowing me down, and I was getting so frustrated that I just couldn't take it anymore, and this was like for the first mile, and I'm just like, come on, man, and I'm behind him, literally kind of pushing him along, and then I'm just like, okay, that's it. I got frustrated, and I said, dude, you sit in this ditch, <laughs> right here. You sit here, and I'm going to finish my run, and then I'm going to come back, and we'll run back to the house, but you're going to run. So I figured what he would do is I figured there's no way that he's going to listen to me because I, we, we had only gone a mile, so I was probably another, I was going to, gone probably a half an hour back and, and forth, back towards them, and as I got back, I'm there like, no way. There he still is, lying in that same spot, in that same ditch. He didn't even move. He didn't even try to go back home. I'm thinking, you, you could have at least tried that. He did nothing. So, so, I mean, I just could not believe he's still in that same stinking spot. And I got to tell you, it was just unbelievable because this guy was truly the laziest person I had ever met in my life. And I was raised with a good work ethic. So for me to wrap my head around this was so hard. I mean, this guy may, who's heard of Sid the Sloth? You know, you know Sid the, this guy made Sid the Sloth look like Speedy Gonzalez. I mean, that, that's just, that's what he was. And, and, and it, I tried so hard to install and just, instill in him some sort of work ethic that we, you know, you got to do something. But, but I just ended up in failure. It's, it, I just failed at the whole thing. But if there was an, an award, if there was an award for um, um, uh, slothfulness, this guy would have had a trophy case full. He was just like that. Um, I just, I just really struggled. I just struggled so hard with this guy. But, but slothfulness, lazy. Believe it or not, um, uh, another one of our deadly sins is called sloth. It's up there somewhere. Sloth, angle, right under there. And, and um, uh, Ken, now, Ken, mind you, he was lazy and all. He was slothful. Uh, but it, the side note to Ken is he tried to poison our dog, so he was removed from our home. Just a little side note. But but sloth, lazy, being lazy. The Mac Dictionary. Um, uh, I'm an Apple guy, so the Mac Dictionary defines sloth as this: reluctance to work or make an effort, laziness. 
Pretty simple, right? To be a sloth, you're lazy. Slothfulness is laziness. That's what it is. Does anyone, can anyone relate to someone that would fit into this category? Don't show your hands. Just think, okay? You know, yeah, I know, that's you, honey. Yeah, no. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Where'd you go? <laughs> but anyway, um, but I think it's really sad that there are people that, that are actually out in, in the world that have not been taught one thing about how to work. Even, not, even much less how to actually work hard. Just not to work. I mean, if we think about it, we, ha- we live in a society right now where we're almost encouraged not to work. Isn't, 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 that, isn't that sad? But, but in Scripture, I'm so glad that there's the Bible and there's Scripture that we can fall back to for living our lives and how to live our lives. It, scripture clearly tells us that, you know what? You, have, you, you must, you, we have to honor hard work. It's honorable to work hard. It's in Scripture. And specifically, the book of Proverbs is just packed full of about working hard. It speaks about the value of hard work. And I think, I think the, difference, the difference between um, either having success and having failure or the potential of, of how much we're going to regret something or how much we're going to enjoy something is oftentimes the separating factor is how hard we work at something. It's due to hard work. We have to work hard. And Solomon gives us this really great example because I'm a, I'm a visual guy, so I can totally visual. So, so Solomon gives this great visual or this great example of what it's like to hard work. And, and we'll, we'll look at Proverbs 6, and we'll pick up in, in, in verse 6. He says, go to the ant. An ant. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler. Yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. So Solomon's trying to, trying to speak wisdom. He's, he's speaking to those that are the sluggard. That's what he's trying. He's speaking to those or what we would call today slothful or lazy people. And that's who he's talking to. And, and, and he's saying, look, people, you can learn a lot from this, from, from this, about hard work from this very little, tiny, very familiar insect that's called the ant. Who's seen an ant? Who likes ants on their counters? Huh? I'm just saying. Anyway, you know, the ant. He's saying you can learn a lot from this. I mean, I know oftentimes we hear the phrase, oh, oh, I was busy as a bee. You're busy as a bee? Well, fr- from what I was, fi- so I kind of went on a rabbit trail on the ant, okay? <laughs> the ant is actually way more laboring than the bee is. And what makes it even greater is they don't have a leader. So, so this busy as a bee should actually be as busy as an ant, then that would be a more accurate, better statement. The ant works so much harder than what bees do. And, and, and Solomon's saying, you know what? And the, the ant, it does all this. It does all this. It doesn't have a leader. It doesn't have someone coaching them. There's just a bunch of players. 
That's all there is, is just a bunch of players in this. The ant is not directed by anyone. And I think Solomon wants us to know how wise these little ants are. And that we should imitate them because they work so hard without even having to be told, without even having to be instructed. Nothing like our foster kid, Ken, who did nothing. And one, I, think, I think one of the examples of the ant that, that Solomon is trying to get across is the ethic, the ethic that, that being a hard worker is something that is within you. It comes from within you. It's not fabricated and it's not taught. It's not, it's not a direction that we're given by a boss. It's something that's just within you to work hard is something that you're just going to do. And the ant works hard when the work needs to be done. And they don't put off things for later what needs to be done now. The ant doesn't do that. And the ants are certainly not procrastinators. No hands, but how many procrastinators do we have in here this morning? And I think that's why Solomon is saying that the, uh, that's why, why he's giving this example, the ant, because we can learn so much from them. And what they do, and it's wisdom. And this is just such an amazing example for us to learn. And we see ants all the time. And we don't even think about it. But next time you see an ant, think about, oh my goodness, you're just a hard worker now, aren't you? Now, this is a side note, not in my notes. But I think of a mouse, too. So we had a mouse in our house, and, and we had these big dog food chunks, like big, like this big. We found them in the basement of our, how did they get that down there? I mean, it, it had to be bigger than its head, right? Can you imagine? I just, I just would love to have watched that. But there was four of them in perfect distance apart sitting on our basement floor when we moved something. It was the craziest thing. But anyway, that wasn't in my notes. But we can learn from the ants. Let's, let's look at verse 9. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get, <laughs> when will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. Solomon's asking those who are slothful to give an answer for being lazy. What you got for me, man? Right? That's what he's saying. How long are you going to sit there and literally do absolutely nothing? That's what Solomon's saying. He said, come on, man. Get up. Don't you realize that there's work to be done? There's stuff we got to get done. We got to get done. Get up out of bed. Now, now, there's no doubt. I mean, we won't, we won't go say we can't sleep, okay? There's no doubt we all need sleep. However, the point that Solomon's trying to make here is that we don't need an excessive amount of sleep. That's what he's trying to say here. Yeah, he's saying, you know what? We, we just need to sleep less and work more. That's what he's saying. Sleep less and work more. He, he wrote in Proverbs 20, 13, he says, Do not love sleep or you will grow poor. Stay awake and you will have food to spare. Don't, don't use sleep as an, to escape your problems to... 
to refuse to face the world. Don't you sleep. Don't say, you know what, I don't want to deal with anything today. I'm just going to sleep. I'm just going to stay in bed. Don't do that. A lazy person or a slothful person will soon find the refrigerator empty. And then what? This is what he's saying. Your refrigerator is going to be in. All because we chose to be a sloth and we had the mindset of, you know what? I'm going to do it later. I'm going to do this later. But those that work hard, you know what? They don't look to later. It's now. I'll, you know, Solomon's given us this heads up that, that this could be, um, he uses the word thief, but what he's saying is, you know what? This is going to slowly sneak up upon you if you're not careful. He's given us this heads up. He's already telling you what's going to happen. It's going to sneak up on you. And how many of us in here this morning or here out there have heard, this, have done and said something like this, I'll do it tomorrow. Oh, I'll do, I'll, I'll do it later. Or we just maybe just don't do something because we just simply straight up don't want to, but we, yet we still know it needs to be done. Even though we know the possible consequences of uh, what will be, and you know what, somehow our laziness takes over and we still don't care. And we still don't care. And, and, and we get caught with our pants down. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We get caught. It's like, what do I, it's that, you know me well enough, it's that oh crap moment, right? And I think, it, and it's simple things. It's simple things that we procrastinate on. Like, like I'll fix the snowblower in the summer when it's warm. And then when do we end up fixing the snowblower? Mid-December when it's like 10 below, Right? Isn't right? I mean, tell me I'm not wrong. And then, and then, or maybe it's the opposite. Say, you know what? I'm going to spend this winter fixing up the interior of my house. I'm going to paint my cabinets. I'm going to do all this nice stuff in the winter so I don't waste my precious few months of summer working inside the house. And then there we are, mid-July, painting the cabinets. Right? I mean, can you relate? I, I can't be alone in here. There's no way I can be alone. I'm sure we've all done that. Oh, you know what? Tomorrow's another day. But the ant, I mean, think about this. The ant has a brain probably the size of the point on a needle, okay? Pretty small, right? He has a brain that small. They have a brain that small. And they have enough sense to prepare. What's our excuse? What's, what's, what's our excuse? Let's just use our time wisely. Let's not be lazy. And sometimes, I mean, and sometimes we can shift that blame because we, we allow people to, to, to talk us out of doing something that we know we have to do. And maybe for some of us, it happens far too often. You know, people are more concerned about having fun and about, about all whatever they don't have to do and they're not so concerned about what they need to do. And people are dragging us into that. And we're following them. But Paul warns of this situation. He warns of this situation in 2 Thessalonians. Picking up uh, 3, we'll pick up in verse 6. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you. 
brothers and sisters, to keep away from every believer who is idle and disruptive and does not live according to the teaching you receive from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, he says, we worked night and day, laboring and toiling so that we would not be a burden to any of you. We did this not because we do not have the right to such help, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you to imitate. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule, the one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. Now, when I read this, I thought, you know what? In, in just the first verse 6, I thought, you know, this is a pretty strong statement, isn't it? It's, I mean, not only is Paul commanding you to keep away from lazy people here, but he commands it in the name of Jesus. Holy smokes. That's, that's, pretty, that's, that's a pretty uh, uh, in-your-face statement, isn't it? Some of the, see, what was going on was some of the Thessalonians were believers. They had quit their jobs and they quit their employment and they were living on the kindness of others. And that was total opposite of what Paul was trying to teach them. So Paul's not super happy and he's saying, you know what? You should be doing what we're doing. We're not doing any of that. We're not sitting around siphoning off of everybody else. And he's up in their face. And Paul, if we look at his life, he was this amazing example that, that he worked hard to provide for himself. He did what he could. He was quite the opposite of what we would call a sloth. He was the opposite of a lazy person. And here's the thing. Here's the thing he's saying. And you know what? I could. In the culture at the time, there, uh, uh, because of, of his position and, and as being one of the apostles, to being one of these truly men of God going around, he would have been totally acceptable for him to take this support. Nobody would have thought anything of it if he was taking that support from others and not doing anything. For, but he wanted to be this good example of being a hard worker, saying, look at me. I don't have to, but yet I am. Do you say that? Do we say that? I don't have to, but yet I am? Reminds me of Popeye. And he reminds us, you know, God's going to meet all of our needs but you got to work. I'll do my part, God says, but you have to do your part too. Moving on to verse 11. He says, We hear that some among you are idle and disruptive. They are not busy. They are busy bodies. Such people, will com such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the food they eat. And as for you, brothers and sisters, never tire of doing what is good. Paul, you know what? Their, their slothfulness, their laziness has, has become a cause of sin for them. Hence the seven deadly sins. It's for, it's for several reasons, but I'm going to say there's two here. He's saying, you know, it's a sin because you're, you're, not, you're not working and you're not doing and you're not providing for yourself. You're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. 
And the other reason it's, it's this cause of sin is because, because, uh, because they weren't working, they had time to become busybodies. Do we know any busybodies? No hands, please. But do we know any busybodies in our lives? You know why busybodies are so dangerous? It's because they're always sticking their nose in everybody's business because they don't have anything else to do. Tell me I'm lying. It's the truth. And that's why it's so dangerous when you have all that time on your hand because then that busybody leads to gossip. And let me tell you, gossip is one of the worst sins. And that's what happens with the busybody. Get out there and work. And, and if we look at this portion of Scripture again, Paul urges and commands how? Through the name of Christ. Once again, a strong, stinking statement from him. Man, come on, he's saying. Get out there. Work. And stop putting your nose where it doesn't stink and belong. That's what Paul's saying. And you know what? While I'm at it, Paul says, stop letting others provide for you. What makes you so good? Why should I work and you sit there playing Xbox all day? Right? In a commentary, in one of the commentaries um, by, written by John Calvin here, he writes, Paul forbids the Thessalonians to encourage their laziness by indulging in it and teaches that it is those who prov prove themselves with the necessities of life by honorable and useful work that lead a life of holiness. What does he say? Hey, let's work hard and enjoy a life of honor and let's enjoy a life of holiness. And Paul ends this portion of Scripture by encouraging those who were working hard, those who were not being slothful, those who are not being lazy, and warns them, don't allow yourself to be, to be manipulated by those who are trying to take advantage of these situations. Don't allow yourself to fall into that category. Don't do that. Don't be slothful. Don't be like that. He says, but have discernment, people. Have discernment to do good for the ones who actually truly are in need. Because you know what? There are truly people who do need, who are in need, who can't do it. They exist. There's some people that just might need a leg up, a lift, a push, a shove, a little helping hand just to get them on their way, right? And that's where the church is. And in the early church, they did provide for the needy. Paul said, you know what? You do provide for the needy. We do provide for the needy. But you know what? We have to make sure that they're needy. And in the early church, when they made sure that they were needy, do you know what they did then? They said, hey, you know what? We're going to help you, but you've got to come and help us. Why don't you come and sweep the floor of the temple? Why don't you come and clean up the candle wax? I don't know, whatever they, they did back then, right? They said, we're going to help you, but you've got to help us. Imagine if today's society was like that. I think it should be. That's my opinion, so don't judge me. Imagine if we could do that 
and had that mindset in today's world, how awesome our society would be. And here's a question for, for you all to think about. And again, I clump myself into this too. You know, I, I have times where I put some things off. There's a couple things I don't like to do. But how often do you say, or maybe, or maybe it's just thinking to yourself in your own mind, oh, I'll do that in a minute. Oh, I'll, I'll catch it later. It'll still be there later. Tomorrow, we'll do that tomorrow. Tomorrow, it's on the list tomorrow, and tomorrow comes, and tomorrow, it's on the list tomorrow. Or you can fill in the blank with whatever excuse you want in the book not to do something. And I think, you know, I think the worst thing that we can tell ourselves or do is say, you know what, we'll let someone else do it. Now compare that with how often you say or you think or you do saying, I'm going to do it right now. We've got to get this done. Let's do it right now. I'll do it. It's got to get done. No time like the present. Think about it. In your own mind, what does that answer tell you about yourself? Don't email me. Thomas Edison wrote, we often miss opportunity because it's dressed in overalls and looks like work. Can I say that again? Do you want me to say that again? I want to say it again, and I will. We often miss op opportunity because it's dressed in overalls and looks like work. How true is that? How true is that? I mean, if we're slothful or we're lazy or we're just simply plain unmotivated, it will make our lives so much more difficult than it has to be. I mean, this is basic logic. Think about that. We'll reach a point where we have to do it, and we end up running twice as hard or twice as fast to try to catch up, don't we? And you know what happens in those cases? We end up having to do it again because we were sloppy the first time. What did we gain? We miss opportunities that may never come past us again. We miss deadlines, and we can fail at relationships just because we put it off and we didn't want to put hard work into it. All because we put off for another time what needed to be done now. Or soon. But let's say at just the right time. We put it off. Now, it's been a lot of years and I don't know what happened to Ken but, but my prayer for Ken is that he has learned something of the value of hard work. And he learned something about that from the little time that he did, did spend with us. That's my prayer him. But for us here today, hard work. You know what? Let's dream big. Let's dream big. Let's have big dreams. Let's have big goals. And let's let Christ fulfill that dream. Let's let Christ fulfill that goal. Work hard. Work hard not only for you, but for him.
Do it for him. Work at a high level to try to please God so you can get where you want to go, so you can reach the goals that you've set for yourself. Unless, of course, your goal is laying in bed. Let's not, as a society, as a church, capital C, bigger than just Rock River, let's not get caught up in that sin of sloth, which most of us probably had never even really realized that putting off till tomorrow is a sin. Laziness, man, it's only going to bring you sadness. There's nothing else it's going to bring you. And it can be easily stopped. We can stop it. But you know what? We're not going to stop it if we continue to say, tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. Let's do it today. I'm going to ask Annette to come up and close in prayer.